Today, if you have your Bibles, turn in the Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 23. And the title of the message is, What the Scribes and Pharisees Got Wrong. And we're going to start in Matthew 23, and verse number 13. And uh, it's not a positive for the people who we're talking about. It's a pretty negative message when it comes to the scribes and Pharisees. But there is good news here, even here. So let's look at the Word of God together and read what Jesus had to say. Verse 13 of Matthew 23 says this, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte or follower, and when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater the gift or the altar that, the, that sanctifies the gift. Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence or unrighteousness. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore, you are witnesses against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? And may the Lord bless his word as we have it read into our hearts today. Well, if we want to preach today, I've heard people say, 
We don't want to have a hellfire and brimstone preacher. I've heard that said a lot. And I understand what they say. They don't want people beating them up all the time, especially if it's the same people over and over and the man is always just beating them over the head. Jesus doesn't do that either. We read a lot about what Jesus says. Hopefully we've read everything that Jesus said. But we don't want to ignore his message when he talks about hell. He talks about hell quite a lot. And in this case, he does talk about hell specifically. We'll talk about that when we look at these uh, ways the Pharisees and scribes got it wrong. Now, Jesus pronounced what's called a woe upon them. Now, I'm sure that as a teacher, I need to somehow put that into my teaching curriculum. You know, I got to figure out, woe to you who show up late to class. <laughs> woe to you who do not complete your assignment. You know, I really, that would be, I, how long would I last <laughs> in that job? I doubt I would, but I'd really like to just put some woes in there to those little punky kids. I really would. Woe to you. Whew. Gets me fired up. <laughs> like a fire in a circus. Intense. So, got to figure that one out there. But Jesus is fired up. He is telling these people. He is letting them have it. And there's eight woes. I counted them, so there's eight. Normally, you have groups of seven in the Bible. Here he, he gives eight. I'm not sure what he means by it, but he gives eight woes. So we're going to look at each one of them. Now, the first woe, where they got it wrong, is they blocked access to God's kingdom. It's a very serious woe. Maybe it's the reason why it's number one. Because they kept people from getting to God. They got in the way. How would you like to have that on your conscience? Here's all. You, can, you can forgive people for weaknesses, really. Somebody's got a problem where they have a compulsion and they feel a certain way and they do, you know, they can't help but take this or do that because they are addicted to it, whatever. I think most people have a sympathy for that. I think that that's just normally a problem and a hazard for everybody. So people have problems. People can be addicted to a lot of things. And so in that case, that's a weakness of the flesh. And the weaknesses of the flesh are real problems. But in this case, they don't rake as high as this one, where you're blocking people from getting to God. That's a very severe offense. In fact, it's a woe offense. Notice, how many prostitutes does he mention in these woes? Did he mention any prostitutes in the woes? Hmm. He didn't mention the publicans. He didn't mention the, the prostitutes. He didn't mention uh, a lot of other people. He didn't mention the Romans. But he sure did mention these scribes and Pharisees who were the elite good people of his time. So they got in the way. And he says, he calls them actors too. The word hypocrite means actors, meaning they're just fakes. They're not real. <laughs> they look good. But they're not real. It's kind of like it, 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 when you go through the, the newsstand, which there still is a newsstand as you go through uh, the various stores, retail establishments, and there you have crazy pictures of what is going on today. But a lot of times they used to, I would say, if I was preaching 30, 20 years ago, they put very attractive people on there. That's changed too. They don't really do that now either. They put some weird people on. But nonetheless... 
it is a fact that uh, the actors and the celebrities and the singers, they make them look very good. And so these young people want to look like them. They want them to be, they want to be like them, what they look like. However, if you were to see the celebrities the way they really are, then the chances are the age is going to catch up with them in real life. You're not looking at a real person. You're looking at a, you know, a fake. It's a fake. And if a man says, I want to be a woman, and he wants to get on Maury Povich or whatever crazy, trashy afternoon show there was, and, and then they show them and it, it looks like a woman and makes a very attractive woman, well, his assertion is, it's obviously a woman. Ah, wrong. You can make a block of wood, carve it out, and make it look into a very attractive woman, but guess what? It's still a block of wood. That block of wood, though, is a little better than the trans because the block of wood is not pretending to be anything. It is just there. Somebody did that to that poor block of wood. But people who have it in their minds that by changing the outside that they are somehow going to be that? No, they're hypocrites. They're acting. And that's okay. It's not okay. It's very bad. But, I mean, the fact that they look good, even if they are not the right uh, how shall I say it, gender, does not change the fact. doesn't mean that it's right. That's where you're getting problems. So he calls them actors and hypocrites a lot. But they shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. So they don't know what heaven's really like, or the kingdom of heaven. They don't know what God's ways are really like because they never lived that life. So whatever they're doing, they're not enjoying God and they're not letting other people go because they're blocking them. Don't stand in the way. Sounds like to me the first thing they should do is go in themselves, get right themselves, and then bring others in. A very needed thing. So they blocked access to God's kingdom. Woe number two is in verse 14. They prayed on widows. And they made a show out of praying. Two different uses of the word pray there. So they exploited widows. I've seen this in my days uh, of politics, which is a long time ago. But certainly I've seen it in colleges. Universities are constantly going to widows, rich widows. And they're saying, I know your husband, your dearly departed husband would love to have some form of memorial in his name. And what perfect thing to do then to in institutionalize his name in this beautiful multi-million dollar complex that we're gonna name after him. And of course, what you don't know is that that dean or whoever is the development person Soliciting this money is getting a cut. They're getting a percentage of this, by the way. They're getting a little back on this. It's not going to be 100%. And, and not only that, but a lot of these colleges have the nerve to do it, even though, have you seen the price of tuition at college? It's kind of steep. <laughs> it's pretty steep, isn't it? So we're, they got a lot of money. They're, they're getting a lot of money from somebody, and yet they're still soliciting somebody else. It's a very sad thing. We want to make sure, folks, 
that we don't repeat the mistakes of the scribes and Pharisees because they were so in love with money that they just had to get it and get it and get it, whatever it was, whether they were a TV preacher today or whether they are a college uh, administrator or a politician who is going after rich widows to get their money. It's terrible, terrible, it's inexcusable. They prey on these people. And yeah, they flatter them, make them feel good, but in the end, Please take this advice. I'm not a rich widow. <laughs> I don't want to be a rich widow because I'm not going to be one because I'm not transgender, remember. But still, I don't want to be a widow either. I don't, want, I, don't, I don't want Vicky to die before me. But here's my point. If you have money, make your choice about who you give it based upon what God says to you. Okay? Do what God says. Don't, don't let somebody solicit and try to twist your arm and persuade you, and don't let bitterness toward your family members make you make wrong decisions either. I want you to think through and make your own decisions and be creative and do good things with that. There's lots of verses you can look up on your own about leaving inheritances, but God has never laid it on my heart to beg you all for money, never. I just don't wanna do it. And yet we've not missed an electric bill in 27 or eight years. I haven't missed a paycheck in all those years. We had not had that many people all the time. But God has been faithful to this church and I don't hound you for money and I don't hound this church for money. I don't send a lot of thank yous, but I do thank God because he's the one who does it. He's the one. So God forbid we ever get into the greedy money-making business of trying to get money out of people just because we want to use them and abuse them. Now, I make many financial mistakes, trust me. I can write a book and I don't want to. But I can tell you that it's easy to spend in a very bad way. You can really mess yourself up. We've been there. But I don't want to be beholding to anybody because I have to go out with my hand and ask for money from people. Now, if there was a situation where I was without a wallet and I'm out there, I might ask you for some money. I wouldn't have any shame whatsoever because I know I'm gonna pay it back and I, or you would ask me and I had it, I'd, I'd give it to you. That's not a problem. I'm not saying we shouldn't ask when there's a real need, but we need to be careful. Don't be like the scribes and Pharisees. Now, the second part of that, making a show here, uh, a show out of praying. They just made a, they were experts at praying. Don't worry, when I call upon you to pray, don't try to make a show out of it, it's just, just pray, be natural. Doesn't have to be long, just be straight, simple. God hears, he understands our hearts. I mess up when I pray all, a lot. So, but that's talking about the words, but I want my prayers to be heard from God sincerely but they made a show of their prayers. So it's, it's not a show. Pray, when God calls you to pray, you pray. And we should pray, but pray simple prayers. Not like the scribes and the Pharisees with these long prayers. I can just see the, the, the little kids who were in attendance there on 10 minute prayers. They're probably about like to fall over, you know, how in the world, but they, they made long prayers probably prepared them ahead of time. Woe number three, 
They were bad influencers. Verse 15, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. They didn't do much mission work, but when they did, they would get somebody and then they would make them just like themselves. So they wouldn't actually save the soul. They would just guarantee that a person's going to hell like they are. That word hell in English doesn't express 100% of what the Bible uh, means here because the word hell can mean different things because in the original languages, you had different words. Well, the word Jesus used is the word that's a Hebrew word, and it is the word meaning the place of torment, the place of judgment. It's not a place you want to be. Sometimes the word just means the place of the dead, and sometimes that refers to people who are good and bad. So, but when it comes to this word, that particular word hell, it's the fire and brimstone hell. It's legit hell. And God himself says that, in this case, these people were heading there and they were making others to be sons of hell also. I, I tell kids, don't use the word hell. Sometimes they'll say it as a cuss word, unless you're talking about it geographically. So <laughs> if you're talking about it geographically, you can. But in this case, Jesus used it in the strongest sense. Woe number four, they had wrong leadership. Verse 16, woe to you blind guides. He calls them that later too. Blind guides. I, I, I've been on a lot of tours, travel tours, of people who took me to different places. Now there are blind people who can uh, tell about things, but I didn't have a blind driver. Okay, I've never had a, a blind bus driver. I hope, <laughs> I hope. Think about that. These people are blind guides. How are they gonna show the way if they are blind? And that's it. They had, they had wrong leadership. They couldn't see. And, and he illustrates this by talking about these, these gifts and the swearing in the temple. Basically what they were doing is they had a big scam. They said, if you swear, if you're praying, that's fine, but if you pray by the gold, uh, now if you give some real gold there, then that's gonna make your prayer really, really work. And you make that commitment, you make that oath, and that's gonna be a strong, strong oath. God's gonna come in and help you. But if you just swear by the altar or the, any other thing, the temple, it's not gonna work. What Jesus says is, which is greater? The altar or the gift on the altar? The temple or the one in the temple? I mean, that's making it. He says that it, it's, it's not the gift in the temple or the gift on the altar. It's the temple and the altar that are greater. And yet they were being de-emphasized. The reason why is that the sanctity of the temple worship, they didn't have any. And they failed to understand that God means business and he doesn't want to be treated as though he doesn't matter. So that's exactly what these people were doing. They were blind. They had wrong leadership. They had a wrong idea about what it really, what makes something important. 
was not how much money you gave, but it's God himself who makes the temple important. Sanctified temple is the Lord. And we need the Lord first, not the things that come from him. We need him first. He needs to be first. And we don't need to replace him and his importance with uh, things. And so they were substituting. They were blind guides in this case. All right, we move on to the next woe number five, verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you paid tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. The Jewish people, they had certain rules about how they, they lived, and these rules were affecting their temple worship. Now, we are not under the temple worship today. We have a different situation, but nevertheless, Jesus' advice to them in words is, are very important because it, we learn in woe number five, they had neglected prior, uh, priorities. So Jesus picks out these minute little rules so that when they bought some spices, just little tiny things, they had to pay a tithe on it. And they made sure, oh, did you pay your tithe on your rhubarb or did you, make, you know, pay a tithe on this? Well, they did. They did it and they made sure. Not, now, a whole lot of people didn't think much about it and kind of left it, you know, people didn't give them a hard time, but not these Pharisees and scribes. They crossed every T and dotted every I, let me tell you. They made a big mountain out of a molehill, which is not biblical, but the next phrase that I'm gonna tell you is biblical. Uh, but notice that they did major on the minors, but they didn't major on the majors. They minored on them. They didn't know much about them. They neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice. They needed to treat people with justice. No, don't mistreat people. They needed to treat people with mercy. When people mess up, have mercy on them. Show mercy to people. You want people to show mercy on you? Then show mercy to others. And have faith. Believe in God. If we don't have faith, we can't please God. They had neglected all three of these things. But boy, they could pay that tithe of the, the, the whatever the the spices were. So those, they could have done that, but they shouldn't have let out. They should not have left out the heavier matters of the law. So he says in verse 24, blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. It's a great phrase. <laughs> they literally filter out a gnat, which of course, if you swallow a gnat, you wouldn't like it, but I'd rather swallow a gnat than a camel. How many days would it take me to swallow a whole camel? I couldn't even do it. It would take me half a year probably. I don't know. A lot of calories in a camel. I don't know. But that's what Jesus is making the point. They swallow a camel, which is going to harm them, but they, boy, they, they, they make sure they filter out that little gnat. Woe number six in verse 25. They made an emphasis on external things. And that's also true of woe number seven. They emphasize the outside of the man. Uh, sort of like the first restaurant on the moon. A good atmosphere, I mean, a good food, but no atmosphere, okay? 
So yeah, if you ever had a first restaurant on the moon, you have good, uh, good food, but no atmosphere. These people had no real atmosphere in their life. They looked good, but they weren't all together right. Jesus tells them that they cleanse, they cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of extortion and self-indulgence or, unwicked, or wickedness, or whatever it is, unrighteousness. So they look good on the outside, but inside they were just nothing but rotten. They're rotten. He says, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside may be clean also. I tell you, God wants us to make sure we make a priority on our internal. How do we look inside? That's the part that you can hide from people, but you can't hide it from God. If God is inspecting the inside of our lives, does he say it's clean? Or does he say, hmm, not too clean? It's our first obligation. The Pharisees and scribes, they didn't do it right and they were blind and they couldn't lead and they couldn't do what they needed to do. And Jesus makes an even stronger reference in verse 27. He says, you're like whitewashed tombs. You know, they made the tombs look really nice, but inside you still got dead bones and rotten flesh. It's bad. And that's the way people can be. Uh, your ambition should not be to be a whitewashed tomb. Your ambition should be have beauty from the inside and let it work out, not from the outside because it never works in. It never works the other way around. Our, our, our world overemphasizes the outside, but God emphasizes the heart. That's the most important thing. So in verse number uh, 25 and then 27, uh, he also makes that same thing uh, when he talked about the whitewashed tombs. That was woe number seven. In woe number eight, the last of the woes, we read here, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. This woe is where Jesus says they're basically children of the devil. <laughs> well, how does he get to that point? Well, here's the point. Many godly people in the ancient days were murdered because the leadership didn't like what they had to say. God told them to say it, and they got killed for it. Later generations felt bad, so they built them nice monuments. And, and the same thing is true in, in Europe. If you go to Europe, many people were martyred for their faith over the years. And then years later, they put up nice statues for them. However, in this case, the people who were doing building the monuments said, if we had been there in the days of our fathers, we would not have done that. So they, Jesus says, wait, 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 wait a minute. You're saying that you are direct descendants of, you're claiming these people as your fathers. I'm amazed about those who tr uh, look after family tree. I, I mean, isn't it amazing that everybody who looks up their family tree always finds some king and a famous person, somebody good. You don't, you don't spend much time looking for their horse thieves and, and all the, the rabble rousers, do you? Oh, he was a no good drunk. He absolutely was a horrible human being, but he was your great, 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 twice removed 
cousin or grandfather, whatever it was. See, your genetic connection don't emphasize that too much because if you do, then Jesus is going to say, well, maybe that's because if you're claiming them as your fathers, then you are really a child of the devil. And that's what he says. He says, you are witnesses against yourselves in verse 31, that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Mm. Now, you may not get what he's saying there, but he's basically saying, you've not completed the cup. You know, if you were to compare their unrighteous acts of killing these innocent prophets who were doing God's word and yet they were killed, you pour it in the cup and that's bad. But he says, you haven't filled that cup up. You got a little bit more to go, don't you? Who are they gonna kill? Well, they're gonna kill Jesus. That's who they're gonna kill. And not just him, but those who follow him. So Jesus says, go ahead. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. You're going to do the exact same thing that you said that you didn't agree with. And yet you're going to do it yourself. These very same people would be the ones saying, crucify him, crucify him, when they had the kangaroo court and killed Jesus. He says, go ahead, fill up the measure of your father's guilt, which they do. They absolutely do. Now Jesus finally does something that we tell our kids not to do, but it's, if, if Jesus does it, there's a time and a place for it. He calls people names. <laughs> How many times have you told children, don't call people names, it's bad. Well, it's bad a lot of times, but in this case, they deserved it. He called them serpents. I, fit, I haven't met too many people who really like to be called a serpent. Brood of vipers, a whole bunch of them, bunch of poisonous snakes. How can you escape the condemnation of hell? That is a question that only God would help them to escape. Some of them actually were saved, not many, but some. One of the Pharisees who would be an enemy of Jesus was a guy named Saul of Tarsus. And he hated Jesus, or at least he hated his disciples. But boy, Jesus got a hold of him changed his life forever. He became Paul the apostle. That's how, how are they gonna escape? Through a miracle, that's what it's gonna take. But most of them did not escape the condemnation of hell. There were two uh, old ladies who were friends for life. They played softball for decades. One of them named Barb and her friend Rose Barb was dying. Rose knew this. And so before Barb died, Rose asked Barb, Barb, if you, if you pass on, would you please somehow try to get a message back to me if there is softball in heaven? So Barb died. A few days later, in the middle of the night, there was a light and a shaking of the bed. And Rose said, who is that? What's going on? It was Barb. It's me, Barb. No, you can't be you. You're, you're, you're gone. She says, no, no, I'm really here. And I got good news and bad news. Good news is heaven has softball. Bad news is you're pitching next Thursday. <laughs> Let me tell you what, that's not bad news for Rose. 
Because these Pharisees didn't get that news. The news they got was they're not pitching for anybody. They're just going to suffer forever. Terrible. I will conclude with a positive. He gave eight woes of things that they did wrong. But right before that, and I, I kind of wanted to go back and review, in verses 11 and 12, he tells every one of us a very two easy things to do. Well, not easy, but they're better than doing what these, these uh, crooks did. Verse 11, But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. It's very important to not live above people. It's very important to be respectful to people. It's very important not to try to take advantage of people. It's very important to be humble and not be prideful. Pride is a horrible thing. It is a destroying element in people's lives. And the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, the experts, whatever, they had it. And they had it in spades. God wants us to avoid this. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for the words of Jesus. I'm sorry that he had to make this message to them because there are so many real life cases where this is still going on. But Lord, I want you to help us to remember how to avoid those pitfalls, to not get caught in those traps of external superficial religion, because it doesn't matter. How we look on the outside doesn't matter compared to what we are on the inside. And so Lord, today, help us to really understand how to humble ourselves and how to be humble people, because we need to be humble people and we need to understand that if we humble ourselves, we will be exalted by you. And if we exalt ourselves and brag on ourselves all the time, well, that's, that's not going to work. Have mercy on us. And we pray you would help us in the name of Jesus. And amen.